guys so finally bringing the podcast back after all this time today it's going to be me and my younger brother pat again today we're talking about uh antisocial personality disorder that's uh sociopathy and psychopathy uh for those of you that aren't that are new around here i guess i'll say um it probably should be worth noting that i am diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder with narcissistic traits that's a recurring theme in a lot of my writing and in my podcast. My younger brother is a psych major. He's working on his bachelor's right now. Um, <clears throat> so both of us are fairly knowledgeable in this subject, but we have knowledge on it from separate viewpoints, whereas he has a classroom understanding of the disorders, and I have firsthand experience of living with my disorder and working to correct it. Uh, we see eye to eye on most things. You, you'll get to that in a second. Um, other than that, I just want to say I've done a really poor job editing this episode. I was also smoking, eating, drinking the entire time. So there's a lot of background noise. Sorry, I'm a piece of shit and I record piece of shit podcasts, guys. I'll try and do better next time. Uh, other than that, let's get this show on the road. Here's me and Pat talking about personality disorders. So personality disorders. I think I got one of those. Yeah, I think everyone has a personality disorder. Well, that all depends on what culture you're in and what aspects of a personality are acceptable, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's not even just culture. It's uh, environmental as well. So, um, let's take narcissistic personality disorder. They see higher rights or rates of ASPD and narcissistic personality disorder in high-level corporate officials uh, because that those behaviors are adaptive in the, that environment. So to label something as a disorder when it actually has a positive effect in certain situations is... It's dumb. Yeah, especially when... Okay, I have the essay, you've read it, about how my personality disorder formed. When we lived in the hood, when we were Section 8 housing and it was poor and we were the only white boys and I was fighting every day just to get to school and shit. Yep. Fighting against society was good for me and kept me alive and... Being leery of people stopped me from getting ripped off when I was in the grimy-ass drug game that I've lived in my whole life. So, that that's, that's remember during the break you were telling me that I'd always be dealing with antisocial personality disorder? Yeah. There's aspects of the antisocial personality disorder that when I look at them and the doctors tell me to get rid of them, I go, I, my subconscious goes, if I get rid of that, I won't be able to survive. Um, right. Like my subconscious sees that 
thing is having saved it so many times that it's like, no, I can't let go of that or I'll die. Um, and That's so part of the reason why they're so hard to quote unquote treat. Yeah. Because the people who have them, they're being told that these core beliefs that have been keeping them alive and protecting them their whole life, they're being told that these things that these tools that they use to stay alive aren't allowed and people go, well, no, I'm not going to listen to you try and kill me because that's what they hear. They hear we're trying to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I deal with that a lot. Um, it's, it gets complicated though, because even in, in any setting there, there's aspects of antisocial personality disorder that society should adopt. And society would be better off if they adopted them. Um, oh, particularly our culture. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so, how about I start out with the parts of antisocial personality disorder that are extremely toxic and they are maladaptive and they make me have trouble functioning and interacting with people. Um, right, Okay. So, first of all, there's the belief that I am higher priority than everyone else. Um, I can morally justify screwing over anyone just by saying I benefit from it because of that belief. So, that's yeah. that's the part that causes the most problems. Um, there's also what people don't understand about... life and our experience of it is our perceptions, everything we see, a lot of it is built by our subconscious beliefs. A yep. lot of what we call the conscious world that we're observing, what we, it, to us, it looks like the world around us, but really it's your imagination projecting onto your consciousness. Um, right. Yeah. And so the personality disorder, certain beliefs will, they create what's called perceptual distortions. Um, the main one that causes me problems is because I reject all social constructs outright, I then, everyone has a little bubble around them made of rights, boundaries, and feelings, right? Mm -hmm. I can't see that on people. And so I overstepped those boundaries without knowing I've done it. And then when people stand up to defend themselves, I see them defending themselves as an unprovoked attack on me. So then I feel attacked yeah. and I go on, I go, I see myself as going on defense, but really I'm attacking them for defending themselves and I'm being very aggressive and abusive and offensive. Um, but I see myself as the victim and see myself as being on defense when I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's that perceptual distortion leads to me. It led to me psychologically abusing dad quite a bit. Dad would tell me he needed help and he was dying and I needed to contribute more. And I'd see that as an attack on me and blow down on dad for asking for my help. Um, I've, I've done it to you. I've done it to mom. I know you, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Um, the time you tried to take your phone from me because you told me not to text with it and I was texting with it. And then I attacked you for trying to get your phone back from me. Like that is stereotypical of the disorder. Um, right. So that's very toxic. 
think I'm better than everyone. Uh, those are the two main ones. But then there's parts of it that are healthy because there's a lot of social stigma and social constructs and unhealthy norms within our culture that I'm immune to. And so the main social the norm. Benef- the beneficial part of ASPD is a healthy self- level of self-sufficiency. Skepticism. Well, there's that. Yeah, there's... Skepticism and self-sufficiency. Yeah. The skepticism and lack of trust of people and the self-defense, that's very good. But also strong self-sufficiency and dependence on only myself and looking to myself and how to fix myself. Like That's actually a very, very strong trait that would be good for everyone. If they stopped saying, oh, this person is a scumbag for doing this to me, and then instead looked at themselves for how they made that offense happen so it it would just lead to people because what people in our society do is they point the finger at someone else and say it's their fault so i don't have to do anything yeah if they were instead to go even if it's their fault there's things i can change about myself to prevent it and then look at themselves for what they can fix that would lead to everyone improving and society improving Without anyone having to change anyone but themselves, you know? Yeah. So, uh, it really comes down to a lot of, like, the cultural biases that we have. Like, we're moving more towards, like, acceptance and... Tolerance. Tolerance. And particularly with... ASPD as I think there's a bit of an awareness of everyone's individual situation with ASPD yeah for manipulation purposes like there's an awareness of it but there's not an emotional connection of caring about it it's just it's just I'm keeping tabs on everyone so I can know when to hit their button to get what I want from them right so so yeah, there are there's ways about the way I look at the world that would improve people's lives and they would be more effective in their lives and be able to get what they wanted and they'd be more self-sufficient, there'd be more individuality, there'd be less group thinking just going with the hive mind because the hive mind said go with the hive mind. But I have to admit the lack of compassion, the like People say, oh, you don't care about anyone's feelings but your own. They're wrong. I don't care about my feelings either. And that's bad. That leads to me suppressing feelings that are bothering me. And they, they, when you don't process your feelings properly, they manifest somehow and in usually unhealthy ways. Um, yeah. So it's, for me, I'm one of the few sociopaths who enthusiastically pursues reform. People who have my people who've been diagnosed with ASPD who have my attitude about it and my approach to it. Uh, I'm basically a unicorn. I'm pretty much the only one. Like I, yeah, I, among personality disorders, like people very rarely seek treatment because they don't. We don't see it as a, like it's, nothing is wrong. Well, yeah, to us, like I just said, 
I don't have the problem. Society has the problem and they're trying to make me be sick like them and I don't want to be sick like them. Yeah. That's how it looks in my eyes. The only reason I'm able well, and then also perceptual distortions make it so we can't see ourselves for what we are. The only right. reason I'm able to is because of what happened with dad. Like, I can't explain it. The moment I realized dad was gone for good, like my perceptual distortion shattered and I realized what I had done, not just to dad, but to everyone my whole life. I, like, I saw myself for who I really was. And that gave me the ability to admit there was something wrong and work on it. But most yeah. people with ASPD, unless they drive their fathers to suicide after years of being their caretaker and all that, unless they do that, they're probably never going to see themselves for what they are. Right. But I don't, I don't think it's – there are aspects of every personality disorder that are adaptive. Like mm – -hmm. Definitely. Um, well, the disorders themselves develop as adaptations. Um, yeah. And, or like, so narcissism, people don't realize this. Narcissists don't think they're better than everyone. They hold themselves to an extremely high standard. Um, and so yeah. narcissists are actually constantly beating themselves up because they're constantly falling short of this uh, uh, unrealistically high standard they set for themselves. And they constantly right. feel inadequate. And people think narcissists believe they're better than everyone because narcissists are also trying to apply that abnormally high standard to everyone else. And everyone's like, this guy thinks we should be expected to live up to that. And they like they don't get what's actually going on in a narcissist's head. But that high standard leads to them meeting higher levels because they're pushing to yeah. go higher. Right. Um, There's always the constant, I got to, do better. I got to do better. I got to look better. at myself and fix this thing about me and improve myself and get better so I can meet this impossibly high standard that they don't realize they'll never meet it. They think it's realistic, but it's, it's, yeah, it's an unrealistic standard. Um, but it, it has a positive effect as well, even though it comes along with a lack of empathy and abuse and all that other stuff. There's, there's pros tied in with the cons. Um, not always, not always. Um, I think for me, I don't, yeah, I meet a lot of criteria of narcissistic personality disorder, but I don't hold other people to the same standard as myself. Okay. And that's, so, I think, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. This just remind me, I think you misinterpreted me that day. I wasn't saying you have a personality disorder. You definitely do not because you have no problem interacting and making friends and you're really well-liked and popular and you're really compassionate to your friends. I don't think you have a personality disorder like I do. You do have some egotistical traits. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about that. That I mean, those were adaptive behaviors mm -hmm. given the environment that I grew up in. Like we were told we were smarter than everyone and blah. And like we're fed these lines our whole lives. And when every authority figure is telling us that, <clears throat> we're smarter than everyone we begin to believe it and well, especially that, when we know for a fact we're smarter than everyone like both of us test in the top five percentiles dude like and it's not egotistical for me to say that because it's true that's another that's a part of our society is 
that I really hate is if I'm good at something and I say that I'm good, make the factual statement that I'm good at it. It's egotistical to say I'm good at what I'm good at. Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, but for me, I, I'd say I mostly grew up on the internet. Um, and I spent a lot of time doing research and all this research was saying, Oh, you're smarter than the average cookie. Mm-hmm uh go run with it yeah and it's like when you're smarter than 95 to 98 percent of people you know it you can tell that they're not you can tell when people aren't as smart as you and they'll say oh you're not as smart as you think you are and tell them tell you that they're equal to you i I, like people are going to try saying this is a perceptual distortion there is a massively wide gap between me and the herd when it comes to intelligence well, the reason I, I went through with my therapist after we had that discussion um, and we talked about it and she was like, do you actually have proof that you're as smart as you think you are? And I'm like, well, yeah, I have all these tests that say that. Okay, that itself 100% disqualifies you from narcissistic personality disorder. You are accurately describing your own personal perceptions that are that have proof yeah and not only that but like you you can most likely understand what i'm about to say the vast majority of people for me to interact with them i have to dumb myself down and operate at a lower level just for them to be able to understand me oh yeah that's my biggest problem with communications i just can't do that yeah yeah, I've noticed that about you. I don't do that. I don't know. Maybe I'll talk to you about it. Well, I guess maybe it's useful for the, the podcast. What I do is instead of thinking of things in the complex abstract, I think of them in the most basic thesis statements and that's it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then I, I think... And then just crude, think, silly, immature humor because it's fun, like... Um, lighten up like being smart ain't everything it's just a tool yeah i've been moving towards that that it's just like when i get into topics like this i i it's hard for me to separate what people know and what they don't know so i can't oh i can tell you that they don't know anything That's why you're only starting. That's why you're only doing the most basic entry level things because they don't just assume they know nothing. Don't assume just in general, even if you're talking to a genius, never assume knowledge unless they've shown it. Okay. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of these behaviors, especially in our culture, like ASPD and narcissism are actually adaptive because we're an individualistic culture. Like, in our culture, you oh, yeah, are more successful. It, it, there's higher rates of ASPD at the tops of corporations because ASPD helps people survive in the corporate world and helps them run a company. Um, yep. The only reason – so there's different the, – I guess this is a, a good place to make a good point about personality disorders. There is actually only one personality disorder. you get what I'm saying, Pat? one personality what there's actually only one giant personality disorder 
and then they diagnose which trait of it is the most prominent. There's general yeah. personality disorder. Right. Yeah. So there's only general personality disorder. And everyone who has any personality disorder, really, they only just have general personality disorder. When they say I have antisocial personality disorder, they mean my manifestation of pan personality disorder, my antisocial traits are the most prominent. Right. But once you have personality disorder, you have all personality disorders. Yeah. And then I mean everyone everyone who develops personality disorder, it manifests in different ways. So my particular personality disorder is antisocial personality disorder, but I've also got two comorbid traits, histrionic and narcissistic, which leads to my showmanship type attitude and reputation crafting and all that stuff. Yeah. There's other forms of antisocial though. Like there's people with sadistic traits. These, those would be the serial killer sociopaths and stuff. There's paranoid ones that are, they're wanderers and vagrants. Um, yeah. And then I forget which trait it is that leads to someone having the thirst for money that makes their antisocial drive them into the corporate world, but that's another type of sociopath. So when people say sociopaths do this and psychopaths do that, they're fundamentally misunderstanding that there are multiple kinds of sociopaths and multiple manifestations of antisocial personality disorder. There's multiple yeah. – every personality disorder – there's multiple manifestations of it based on the comorbid traits of the general personality disorder they have. Because once you have general personality disorder, you you don't have just one. You have comorbid traits that make your personality disorder unique in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, so the environment that I was raised in, I'm just going to say I was raised on the internet. I was raised by the internet. Oh yeah, Pat. I'm an old god raised in the fires of the 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 gamer forums and BB boards too, bud. Uh, narcissistic features in that kind of an environment where, you, like, I had to explain to my therapist about why I get so defensive a lot. Um, because so, you're used to being on the internet where everyone's shitting on you constantly. Yeah, so um, I use the example of when I was rating at a high level, like there are people that while I was correct in what I was saying, they didn't like me. So they went, they did a very public and long smear campaign against me. And so I had to continuously over and over and over defend myself and correct rumors that they had spread and yeah yeah i get what you're saying um and so that's why i i developed my i guess avoidant tendencies and narcissistic tendencies i tend to avoid people because i don't really believe that they're capable of understanding things at a higher level or the way that I would explain it. So, <clears throat> and you're very right. Would, so, oh, oh, keep going. Sorry. So, one of my biggest things was this guy was a warrior who joined my 
previous group raid group that I was in, and I was trying to give him advice on how to run with that group just because that group had a very different environment than most normal groups. Um, instead of having the Dark Knight pull and tank the first start, start of the fight, the warrior would, which is very weird for other raid groups. And so I was trying to tell him and, and, and help him out with his opening rotation that would give him the highest amount of DPS and the highest level of survivability initially in the fight without burning in any huge cooldowns. Um, he was just like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And just anything you said, it was wrong because you were the one saying it. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> I ended up just kind of adaptively believing that people are dumb and I don't really need to learn like there are some things some words of wisdom but it's very few and far between and I'm trying to break a very similar perceptual distortion I don't know if you've ever read Oak, but there's a part where I talk about I try to make it, I try to look at it like there's something I can learn from everyone and it's my job to find it. Um, yeah. But that's thinking that I force on myself naturally. I think 95% of people have nothing worthwhile to say and they can be completely disregarded and called dumb fucks by default. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's a distortion I'm trying to break myself from because what I've learned is. Yes, I'm more intelligent. I will pick things up faster and process them in more intuitive ways. But other people still have unique perspectives and unique experiences that if I listen to them and try to understand them and put myself into their shoes, I can learn a lot about the world. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in video games in particular, like everyone's all like, oh, there's one correct option. And it's really just analyzing the situation and knowing what the correct option is in that situation and mm -hmm. the right thing to do is not the same in every situation correct and i don't know man i i've got lots of essays on it maybe one day i'll just throw the mic on and rant about antisocial but the reason people think oh there's only one correct way th to do things is because there's the groupthink way to do things. Yeah. Groupthink is so goddamn toxic. Yeah, that's all I can really say. I don't want to turn into my... You've heard my spiel about it. All right, guys. Um, So we're at the intermission. I just wanted to, while we're taking a little break, uh, say something about what we were just talking about. I know I came off like I was talking down about other people with personality disorders. I don't want it to seem like I look down on anyone at all. I really don't. I've got no right to. Um, it's just when I was saying those things, all I meant is that my life experience has given me a different perspective and a different level of self-awareness uh, than most people with personality disorders have. That's all. 
Um, I didn't want anyone to feel insulted or feel like I was talking shit. I know me and my little brother are narcissistic as fuck too. Sorry about that. Um, so today for the intermission for the song break, I've got something by, um, they're a 90s like alt rock type deal. They're called Cracker. They, they had a lot of hits on the radio. This isn't one of the ones. This is more one of their hidden gems. It's called St. Cajetan. Um, and then St. Cajetan is the patron saint of the unemployed. So perpetually my patron saint. So this is Cracker St. Cajetan.
Cracker, St. Cajetan. Um, so we're about to go into the second part of the break, or second part of the show, I mean. I just wanted to make it clear, me and Pat, when we recorded this, we forgot to take a break in the middle, so I just picked a good spot in the middle and cut it in half. Uh, we left off, we were talking about groupthink, or I had said something about groupthink. It's going to pick up talking about something called diversified groupthink, which is a, a reimagining of the way groupthink works. Basically, right now, we have what's called conformist groupthink, where new ideas are shoved out and suppressed. If we came up with a kind of groupthink that rewarded new ideas and was more fluid, I call that diversified groupthink. And that's, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to come in, I'm going to be talking about that. Thanks for listening, guys. Diversified groupthink, I think, would revolutionize the world and push us to a whole new level. Like, I didn't come up with that idea. I read it somewhere and then ganked it. And then I coined the term for it, but the idea for it, I read about somewhere else. Um, yeah. But I think oh. if we adjusted our groupthink and – well, because right now groupthink is closed-minded by default and fights to stay that way. If we had open-minded groupthink that properly explored all options, uh, I mean, that would bring mankind's cultural intelligence to a new level. Well, and that's another thing, like um, a trait common in ASPD and narcissism is uh, a higher level of faith in your own personal abilities and with that confidence comes... i can stand up and challenge groupthink where most people are terrified of doing so yeah yeah well and and there's also like adaptive benefits to that where if everyone is able to stick up for the side that they believe in but also be willing to change their beliefs it's nothing but beneficial like mm -hmm. thoughts get more well developed um and pursued more and more depth. more complex more integrative more comprehensive plans that address all the problems and don't ignore anything and don't shut anything out it would just really it would be good for society it would be it would be good for everybody to adopt it it would just it just would pat oh yeah and i i completely agree with that like um i'm actually kind of leaning more into my narcissistic uh behaviors well thought patterns um because they're just simply not wrong like Okay, here's here's my experience because I and I get what you're saying. I put a lot of effort into managing my ASPD these days. It's one of the main that and studying the Buddhism shit is the two main goals in my life. And really, I study the Buddhism stuff because it helps manage the ASPD. A lot of times, I have a belief that's not on principle wrong, but the way I apply the belief or word the belief makes it too extreme or too conflictive. And so the belief isn't wrong, but the belief still needs to be adjusted some. You get what I'm saying? Right. And, and 
I've been adjusting it like um but and that involves a little bit of an acceptance and and having to lean into it a little bit I had to my my issue was I was avoiding it and completely denied it 100% and it's not a thing I'm not I don't have it this that the other but the more I've accepted that oh I do have narcissistic behaviors and that's why a lot of people don't like talking to me um I've I guess kind of been able to point out or see the parts of it that are beneficial and get rid of the parts that aren't. And that's exactly so, what I try and do with my ASPD. And then there's parts that I don't want really, they're not beneficial. They're not bad that, but they need to be reworked so they can mesh with society better. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like uh, a good example is for me uh, last Monday, some kids in my class were being super disruptive and I couldn't pay attention to the class and I got very angry about it. And then uh, like, ultimately it was a self-serving behavior. I was like, look, I can't pay attention in the class when you're talking, but I worded it in a way that included other people. So what happened was, look, I don't know how much you care about this class. Other people are paying a lot of money for this. I I took the focus while I had a self-serving intention. It, it like I wasn't really doing it to try and help other people, but because I worded it in the way that made it seem like I was helping doing it for other people than just myself it became more of a positive effect like the the kids actually went up and apologized to the teacher and haven't been disruptive since so having self-focus on myself where i'm like look i'm having this problem if I'm having this problem, other people are having this problem and wording it in that way. So you were part of the team and you were in the in-group and stuff, yeah? Yeah. Another thing I've noticed is if I want to make an observation about someone, if instead of making the observation about them, I state it as sometimes I do this when I'm a messing up and I make it about me, the criticism, I make it about me instead of about them. Yeah, they they that lets them think about what I'm saying about myself, and then they see it in themselves, and they don't th- they don't realize I've pointed it at them, but it, it, so it lets me get criticism across without triggering people. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I I really don't think I really hate personality disorders because of that because there's a lot of beneficial traits to all of them. What I look the way I try to look at, yeah, I don't like the term disorder. I don't like being told, I don't like the fact that they're telling someone their personality is a dysfunction. Um, mm-hmm. However, 
like I said, I don't think you have personality disorder, so I don't think you can truly understand what I mean when I say this. That my antisocial personality disorder is a huge, huge crippling problem that has stopped me from being able to interact with society properly my whole life. And I wish I realized how bad it was fucking me up sooner because it's one of the biggest things that's been holding me back and I just never realized it. Um, so I don't like that they call it a disorder because it's really just who I am. Um, but there are huge aspects of it that like I need to adjust them. I need to work on them. I need to stay on top of working on them so I don't revert. Um, and that's basically where I'm at now. Like if I could just keep my personality as it is right now, that's fine. But it takes constant work to keep me where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, man, like we're, we're going long. I think that's more like a lifestyle thing though, rather than disorder, like mental disorders. A, are. I don't like the term disorder for any mental disorder. It's, it's not a disorder. It's not a dysfunction. It's just a difference from the norm. Is that fair to say? Yes and no. Like, a lot of times with mental disorders, the person themselves know that something is wrong. So the whole belief that, oh, if you have a mental disorder, you don't know if something is wrong. Well, that's not true. Mm, it depends on the person. Like if, if I start getting delusional and I start getting psychotic, I've been working on managing delusions and psychosis for so long that I recognize it and know how to shut it down. Me 13 years ago did not do that. And that's how Socrates took over the world, Doug. So I guess I get what you're saying. I agree with you in principle, but it's more like there's a case by case basis. I think the biggest thing our mental health community needs to do is understand that these are people. And if we just stop telling them they're crazy and nothing they say makes sense and instead try to understand how what they're saying makes sense and communicate with them, we people can first. Yeah. We, if we try to understand what's going on in their heads and then communicate with them, we can talk them down and bring them back more effectively with less resistance from them in a more productive way. Um, and I know for a fact that's possible because dad used to be able to literally talk me out of psychosis. That's what they're starting to find in clinical psychology now. Like it, in my abnormal psychology class, uh, one of the core concepts is the people first. They are people who have a problem. They're not defined by their problem. And they're not made retarded by their problem. They're, right. they're not made invalid by their problem. That's right. the biggest thing they've always done to me that has always made me hate the mental health community is they tell me what I think isn't right. My opinion of my treatment didn't count because I was crazy. So just shut up and do what I'm told. That was very toxic and drove me away for a long time. Yeah, it's a relatively new thing from what I understand. Um, started in like, 2013 when the dsm-5 came out um that they started 
putting people before the disorders and not being like that is a depressed adult. It's a, an adult who With has depression. And it humanizes them a lot more. Yeah. It, it makes them relatable. Well, because everyone has depression at some point. It's just when it lasts for an incredible amount of time, that's when they classify it as a disorder. Yeah, in varying degrees. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like this was a really good talk on mental health. I might just split this into two episodes. Yeah. I want that. That's fine. Um, so do we want to keep going? Is there anything else to say? I think we've covered a lot. Yeah, I think we've covered all of it pretty much. It's mostly just like the... It was a conversation that needed to be had. Like, yeah, most people won't have this talk where we just break down everything we know about uh, mental health. There's actually a few more points I want to go off of. First of all, psychosis and schizophrenia. There's like five different disorders balled up in those two terms. And those need to be broken down into what they properly are. Because my psychosis isn't the same psychosis that uh, my friend Willow goes through. Like, she's described her psychosis to me. What they're calling psychosis when they label her with it, it's not the same disorder that I have when I have psychosis. Yeah, well, my um, abnormal psych teacher was like, I mean, a lot of these disorders, like, these disorders are not more common than, than they've ever been. They've been around Forever. always. It's just where... We're treating them differently now. Yeah, so like Alzheimer's and dementia used to be called senility. Mm -hmm. But as we learn more and more about them, we started realizing, oh, they're actually different and named them different things. And, uh... But I'm just saying, okay, so I'll explain it. When I get delusional... It's or when I get psychotic, it's a series of delusions stacking on top of delusions that's fueled by mania. Uh, So when I'm manic, I get super confident and don't doubt myself and don't I just anything I think I automatically believe it's true because I thought it Um, right. And so this leads to lots of paranoid delusions and delusions of grandeur stacking on top of each other until they've built this completely new world inside my head where I believe all kinds of wild stuff and there's aliens that are going to beam me up to space and I live in the Truman Show. And so it's just delusions stacked on top of delusions until the world I see isn't real anymore. Um, I mentioned my friend Willow. She has demons that scream into her ear and then appear in her face and attack her. Um, that's not the same two things. Yeah, hers is a uh, hallucinatory. An actual, yeah, an actual hallucinatory uh, delusions where yours are just cognitive distortions well, so, ramped up. Well, no. So delusions are retarded beliefs pretty much hallucinations are not delusions so she has 
true hallucinations, sees things that aren't there, and what literally what she's seeing is not reality. Where mine, it's just a bunch of really delusional beliefs stack on top of each other until I believe so much crazy shit that I'm not that I'm I'm not living in the real world because I believe too much crazy shit. But yeah. the two problems, they're both called psychosis, but they're both not the same thing. Um, yeah. And so because psychosis is acting as an umbrella term like that, and schizophrenia is persistent psychosis, schizophrenia by nature also cannot all be the same disorder. Um, and so basically just anything where a person is not in touch with reality that they don't know what the fuck it is, they throw it under those two umbrellas. And so those are those diagnoses need worked out. They need to find out exactly what's going on in there and what's the causes of all those different disorders. Um, and then thank God for modern science. Uh, it's going to take them a while, but first they got to admit that they're wrong. They don't like doing that. Um, and then hospitalization, taking people's freedoms, telling them they can't smoke cigarettes, taking their phones from them, all increases a person's stress at a time where they sh we should be trying to decrease their stress as much as possible and make them as comfortable as they can possibly get. Um, and so in inpatient hospitalization needs worked on as well. I like that crisis unit. Um, three groups a day. So... That's really valid treatment three a day, right? How much did you have when you were at the hospital? Four or five. Uh, so I I'd say they went a little overboard. Yeah, I mean, they forced you to go to them too. Yeah. Well, three a day to me sounds reasonable, especially because the groups were generally productive CBT things that were teaching me stuff that was useful. So three a day, got to keep my cigarettes, got to keep my cell phone, could come and go as I please as long as I showed up to group. And um, between noon and eight every day, just there's nothing, just empty block between noon and eight, noon and eight. I could leave, go fuck off all day long. And just the fact that I knew I could leave when I wanted to, most days I still just sat on the back porch smoking cigarettes. Just the fact that I knew I could go if I wanted to. It was just so much more relaxing. I didn't feel trapped. I didn't feel a need to escape. And that created an environment where I actually could do work and work on myself because I had cigarettes, I had music, I had my phone, and I was comfortable. You became, and, you became a willing participant in your treatment rather than... Rather than just telling them what I wanted, what they wanted to hear so I could get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and just and the even there were times where I've been in inpatient hospitals and I really was trying to work with them, but being locked in with no cigarettes and no phone and no freedom, it, it created a stress level that made work, made it so I couldn't do work because I was too stressed out. Having all my freedoms and my, especially having my phone to listen to my music when I was feeling triggered, um, just all, it, it created a comfort at home safe space where I felt at ease enough to do work on myself. Um, right. And, and what uh, I think they're starting to find is that the more willing people are to participate in it, the more likelihood 
they are to succeed and moving from institutionalized hospitalization only except in very, very severe cases where um, violent psychosis, criminally sociopathic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that's the only time where institutionalized mental health care is even necessary and turning it into a more outpatient type deal. Or if, like, like that wasn't outpatient where I was. It was still inpatient, but they didn't take my freedom from me. Right. So it was inpatient, but essentially followed outpatient practices. You mm -hmm. were allowed to come as goes. You please, you had that freedom. Yep. Well, it was and, inpatient, but with freedom. It was like um, a rehab, like the, the Keating Center. Yeah. Um, and yes, that, okay, you've probably experienced this. Um, whenever you, I'm just doing this for the benefit of the listeners. Whenever you take a person's freedom from them, they can feel it constantly. Like if you've never had your freedom taken from you, when you are locked in a place and you know you can't leave, no matter what, you just, you feel the pressure of not being able to leave. And that like it makes it so you can't really work on yourself because the weight of not having your freedom is painful. Autonomy is an. In They're starting to find that taking people's autonomy actually actively works promotes, against the tre treatment. Yeah, yeah it's it counterproductive. Promotes, yeah, it promotes the the maladaptive behaviors yep. rather than reinforces them. them and digs them in deeper. Yeah, I know that's. And the way – if you read um, certain chapters of my autobiography, you can see how their efforts to try and fix me are actually the things that broke me in the first place. I believe it. Like when I went to the hospital, it was very different from the experience you described to me because they were like, no, it's your choice. Yeah. It's all you. And yeah, and they need to do more of that and make people more com – the more comfortable you make the patients, the more work they can do and the more effective it will be. Yep. All right. I'm, I'm good on this. That was just the two points I wanted to make was the ineffective diagnosis and we need to rework uh, inpatient. But yeah, yeah. really good well, mental health chat. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, um, the mental health field is actually starting – to learn that they've been fucking wrong for years. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I kind of have a grudge against them because like, I don't know, man, I was telling them they were wrong the whole time. They should have just listened to me from the start. I don't know. Um, anything else you want to say before we go? No, um, I've said all I wanted to say about mental health. Oh, good talk. Um, hit and stop all right guys um hope you enjoyed that uh, i don't really have much to add i'll be honest I, i'm recording this outro i was kind of zoned out for most of the second half i liked i liked the way all this turned out looking back like whenever i listen to myself i can hear myself being such a fucking complete just self-absorbed douche i feel like such a dick i don't know why any of y'all listen to me 
But I appreciate you guys reading what I have to write and listening to these podcasts. I, I mean, I do it for me, but I hope you guys get some benefit from it too. Just, I don't know. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. And when you wake up, everything's gonna be fine. I guarantee that you wake in a better place and in a better time. So you're tired of living and you feel like